Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to Commons People Live. We are recording this for our podcast and we're also streaming it live on Facebook as we digest what was a really quite a dull election night, quite boring. Really boring. boring. Uh, didn't really know what happened. Quite tired. Lols. Uh, mm. Obviously, it was a bit mental, wasn't it? So let's crack on straight away. Um, we just listened to Theresa May give a speech outside Downing Street, which was kind of the speech you would give if you'd just been proven right about everything. And if you were just like, I've got the majority I need, I'm not going to push on with Brexit. Yep. It's not the speech mm. you get when you've lost seats and you're relying on the support of the DUP. So <laughs> Do you know what people will need now is certainty. I and mean, that was hilarious. She's the person who created the uncertainty. <laughs> And it was Maybot in full flow again, wasn't it? It was speak your weight politics. It was as if she'd learned nothing from the last and, few and weeks. And did she even mention the general election result? I'm a little bit kind of bleary sort of no. eye. But she spoke, she's mentioned the referendum result. Yeah. But did she actually talk about what just happened just then? No, you're right. I mean, it's the, it was the result that dare not speak its name, her losing a majority. She didn't once say, I'm really sorry, I've lost my majority. I need to Oops. work to rebuild national support and unify the country. It was none of that. And I think, again, that was her big flaw when she called the election right at the beginning. A lot of these angry Remainers we've seen overnight and a lot of the young voters, everyone else, who felt left out by Theresa May um, will still feel left out because there wasn't any real attempt to unify the nation in that little address. Let's start first with talking about what it means for the Tories. We'll go through the parties one by one and send us your questions on Facebook Live. If you're listening on the podcast, then... Will imagine what you will ask. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bit tired. I don't know. If that He's makes multitasking. Sense. Right. So first of all, the Conservatives. Just how bad a night was it? Because the share of the vote was the same share of the vote that Margaret Thatcher got in '83 when she got a huge majority. They got what two million more votes than they got two years ago. So is it not just the Tories are victims of the electoral system? Should we be feeling bad? It was just a bad night for the no, Tories. No, because in the, in the same ahead. way that um, when, when everyone thought there's going to be a massive majority of the Tories and we were saying that Corbyn will try and use an increased vote share for him to prove why he shouldn't go, we said that's kind of a bit ridiculous. We can't then also say, oh, but it's fine for the Tories to claim they did really well. It's yeah. a, it was a terrible night for the Conservative Party. All, all, obviously, it's good to get more votes. And But what's happened is that the Labour Party and the Tories have put, both piled on lots more votes. And they've squeezed the Lib Dems, squeezed UKIP. And that's why, historically, you're looking at these figures that are rather large. Don't forget, in 1983, there was an SDP alliance. You know, that's... It's well, not, Jenkins, you, of course. You're oh, God's Your favourite character. Why did you let him have that? So you're not comparing <laughs> like with like. So, But... There is a serious point here, though, which is that actually, of course, Labour's vote's gone up and a lot of people in Labour are feeling quite cheery overnight. Uh, cheery, to put it mildly. But the Tory vote went up as well. And if you're serious about winning power as Labour, you've got to think, well, how? why did the Tories increase their votes? What happened there? Was it just from UKIP? Was it somewhere else? And they've got to think at some point, how do they get those votes to Labour? OK, but let's focus on the Tories, focus on the Tories for a second. How damaged is May... Does she have to... I mean, she's, she's not going to resign. She made that quite clear now that she's going to carry on negotiating Brexit. Is that position tenable? Are we going to see another U-turn? I don't think it is. I think, like, huge numbers of her MPs are going to be absolutely furious. 
um, there's going to be huge pressure on her. She's going to going to face a real sort of uphill struggle, I think. And also, if the new electoral climate is seeing loads and loads of young people turning out to vote, if that's what's happening now, and non-voters, how do the Tories then appeal to that? Because, you know, is May offering them anything? What's May offering to young people? What's David Davis offering to young people, for example? Well, that's a good point, because you've got to, in politics, always look to the next election, obviously. The difficulty for May is, not only is she looking to, like, the 2022, and she's almost certainly not going to be Tory leader in 2022, they've got to start thinking of the next generation of young Tory MPs, young Tory voters. And we're back to the, the problem that people used to talk about. I'm old enough to remember this. In 2002, 2003, when Labour was in its absolute height of power, the Tories were all saying to themselves, God, we've got a long-term demographic problem. We've not got the youth vote. We've not got the ethnic minority vote. Structurally, we're in real trouble. But look what happened. You know, <laughs> um, That was certainly true, but they somehow managed to cope with it. The real problem, I think, for the Tories is can they ever again get a decent big majority? Do we think that the parliamentary party, who, you know, some of them were furious, even when it looked like she was going to get a massive majority, that there was this election going on. So heaven knows what they're thinking now. Are they going to allow her to carry on to go into the Brexit negotiations? Or are they going to say, look, you are too tainted. The public have rejected your vision for Britain. And therefore, we want to replace you with Boris Johnson, Amber Rudd, whoever, to, to, to kind of give a fresh start. And also, with this deal that she's going to strike with the DUP, with that small majority she's kind of stitched together, why would some Tory backbenchers want to stick their neck out to side with her on certain occasions when they think she might not be around in the future? So where's the, the her power of patronage has kind of disappeared as well. She's a lame duck prime minister. And yeah, don't forget that this majority, even with the DUP, it's like eight vote, eight seats in Parliament, eight seats. A couple of people could fall ill. Anything can happen. We're back to the 1970s, that great play, This House. We know what happens with minority governments. It just takes, you know, a bit here or there to change the, the majority and the mathematics. Especially because if you look at the... I mean, this this election result was not a revenge of the anti-Brexiteers because you had pro-EU politicians like Nick Clegg losing their seat. You had anti-EU politicians like Zach Goldsmith winning back a seat. So it's not easy to, to sort of cut it that way. So like I said, you've got majority of eight. There are enough in that Tory party. There's Nicky, Nicky Morgan, Anna Subri, Ken Clark. All of a sudden, they, can, they start wielding a lot more power than they even had before because now they can claim we're not going against the will of the people because the people look, you know, have given us a different vote. That's why the PM's claim that she's, this is all about certainty is, is laughable, let's be honest. Because I, the, but the one thing she had in her favour just then is I think she bounced her party into saying, look, I'm going to be here for five years. She talked about five years. She talked about seeing it through, seeing the Brexit process through, which is at least two years. She's bouncing her party, staring them down as much as Brussels, saying, actually, come and take me out. If you want to take me out, you take me out. And you, if you try and take me out, then there'll be even more uncertainty. And Brussels will hate it, the markets will hate it. Let's talk about Labour now. Kate, um, so Jeremy Corbyn's Prime Minister, right? That's the kind of vibe I'm getting from Corbyn supporters, the way they're acting. Yeah, not quite. What? I know, I know, I'm sorry. And that makes sense. Um, Go on. Yeah, uh, yeah well, it's it's been a big night for them, hasn't it? Um, it's certainly a big night. It's certainly a big sort of wake-up call for the moderates um, and kind of the, the portion of the party that is not on the left. Um, and where do they go now? I mean, for me, it's, it basically looks like it's over. I mean, you know, 
Jeremy Corbyn has won. Jeremy Corbyn and his supporters have won, essentially. This was the battle that we've said that they were fighting all along, wasn't it? It's the battle for the party. Because the argument always was with, the, with the, the, the moderates, the Blairites, whoever you want to call them, the right wing of the Labour Party, was always, fine, you can attract 400,000 people to the party, you can attract 5,000 people to a rally, but hey, when you get in front of the public, they're not going to like any of this nonsense. And the public have gone, you know what? We like you more than we like Ed Miliband. We like mm -hmm. you more than we like... I don't, I don't know Gordon what Gordon Brown, Brown but yeah. the share of the mm -hmm. vote is yep. bigger than Gordon Brown, maybe not the, the vote, the seat share, that the kind seat of stuff. Shares, yeah. um, so really, yeah, takes right. This is it now. This is the new... Corbyn said, this. we are the new centre ground. Is Corbyn right? Well, I mean, I think it's right in the sense that Corbyn has won. I mean, it's, it's he didn't win the election, but he's kind of in a strong position he's ever, ever, ever been. I mean, interestingly, the kind of the most Corbynite candidate, which would be Chris Williamson in Derby North, who said... Surely Corbyn I, was the most well, Corbynite apart candidate. From Corbyn. Right? Well, I don't even know, to be honest. But I don't think that's true. I think Chris Williamson is more Corbynite yeah, than Corbyn. Yeah. And he said, famously, and he was mocked ruthlessly for this, saying, if I win, I'm a test case for Corbynism. And he did win, and quite healthily. So, yeah. you know, who, who looks stupid I mean, that, now? that's true. I mean, on, on the airwaves overnight, you saw a succession of these Labour moderates. You saw Yvette Cooper, you saw Chukaramuna, and you could tell they were all primed for this leadership contest that they were all re prepared for if there'd been a big Tory majority. Chukaramuna even went on, on the airwaves and had this prepared line about, well, you know, it's more than 100 years since Keir Hardy founded the Labour Party, but he founded the Labour Party not just to represent working people, but to have them in government. And he, and he still said the same line, but he had a different flavour. Of course, Labour is, is not in government after t last night, and still the, the point remains valid. But Corbyn's people will say, actually, we increased the number of seats. We won Tory seats. What more do you want? Of course, the more you want is winning power. But they've proved they've taken the seats where Corbyn was, Leamington Spa. I mean, that's quite a seat. Can Canterbury. Portsmouth South. Exactly. Portsmouth. Kensington, Kensington as, as revealed by yours truly, and helped by Lily Allen. I mean, obviously... Corbyn can say, with lots of credibility, I have won in Tory areas. I've won Tory seats. Now, that's incredibly powerful. So Corbyn is safe, secure as Labour leader for as long as he wants it, right? That's what we're saying. No one's going no yeah. to challenge him now. My question now, though, first of all, do the moderates in the party, you're a vet keeper, you're Chukumunas, people who wouldn't serve under Corbyn before because they felt they didn't agree with his politics, they felt he wasn't literally viable, yada, yada, yada. Do, will they now go back? Will they go knocking on the door and say, Jeremy, you know what, mate? You know what? I've had a, I, you know, I had a change of heart, and actually, you were right. And if he does, if he does do that, does he then take them in and get rid of some of the loyalists? I mean, there's a bit of an internal power play there. Well, yeah, you're obviously going to get Corbyn's in the, the driving seat. He yeah. can choose who he wants. He's going to make sure that if they do come back, they come back on his own terms. They don't mouth off. That and you know, and let's be honest. Labour, in the last few weeks, their secret weapon has been unity. It's something they've not had before the local election campaign, even. They've, they've had a party which has been focused on actually winning seats in a general election. And so you've not had virtually a peep of criticism of Corbyn himself. And if you're a Corbyn pe uh, supporter, you say, actually, if only we'd had that from 2015, things could we could have even have won this general election. There's a couple of questions that have come through on the Facebook Live. Um, Time for proportional representation, says Judy. I'd love to know the total votes for each party rather than the seats. And uh, Kudzi says, with two of the last few general elections resulting in hung parliaments, is it time for proportional representation? Now, earlier on down on College Green, I um, spoke to Jonathan Bartley, who is the co-leader of the Green Party. And he said this election shows that the Progressive Alliance works. I don't quite know how he does that, seeing as all the votes <laughs> went to the two main parties. But OK, let's, let's bear with that. So do we think that... Is now the time for some kind of PR needed? Otherwise, we're going to keep getting the, these hung parliaments, or is that just 
There's no one going to say that. Yeah, it's not in the Tories' interest. Don't forget, you only get PR if you're in power. I got a text from a former Labour MP last night who was standing down. And the first thing he said to me was, when it looked like Labour could possibly have a, a majority or a minority government, he said, the first thing we should do is form a progressive government, a coalition, and the very first bill would be to pass PR. And that would screw the Tories forever. That's what he said. Now, that's not happening because the Tories have got the numbers. But it's interesting. I think that debate will come back. If Labour wants to, under Jeremy Corbyn, um, go down that route, John McDonald's a big fan of PR. Jeremy's been very traditional about it, very, very traditional. You know, He flirts with it but doesn't go any further. And maybe this will come back on the agenda. Why did we get the results so wrong, Kate? Or the pollsters? I mean, not just you, but why did <laughs> you get the results so wrong? No, but why... <coughs> because the opinion poll said that the share of the vote massively underestimated Labour, which very rarely happens. Why? Yeah, you wrote about I that. I know, I did indeed. And even the people that we were speaking to yesterday who were out door knocking for Labour were saying, you know what, it's nip even in Yorkshire seats, it's nip and tuck. We're not sure we're getting this. So why, why did we not pick up on this? Well, we talked about this briefly this morning, didn't we? We because did, which is why I'm bringing it up. Yeah, to make yourself look good. Well, and you. As ever, Go and on. me. So... I'm going to pretend that I said this, not you, this morning. <laughs> Facebook um, Live, it just demolishes all kind of pretense, doesn't it? So, what did I say earlier on? So, earlier on, we we had a conversation about um, the increase in youth vote and the increase in the number of non-voters. Um, obviously, parties canvass based on their data from previous elections. If you've got huge numbers of people who've not voted before registering to vote for the first time, parties cannot canvass those people. So there's no way of knowing how and in what in what way and how big they're going to turn out. Cause, yeah, because so, on election day, they don't just go around knocking on any door. They have a list mm -hmm. of people who have said to them, we're going to vote Labour. And they knock on the door to say, have you voted yet? It's called get out of the vote. It's what all parties do. So you, you, you knock up the people you know are going to come out and vote for your party. So if you haven't got any information on, all of a sudden, 10% more people have registered in your, in your constituency. You just don't know what to do. You're not going to go and... So I guess but that's why the people on the doorstep weren't picking up this extra swing. Is that right? I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that seems to be a, a better explanation than another one I can think of. But there's also the fact, don't forget, that there were switchers. You know, there were Tory switchers. Um, and uh, I've got a couple of MPs telling, Labour people telling me, look, the dementia tax was so toxic. We had people down in the Tory column who came over to the Labour column just in the last week. And that's really, really powerful. It's, it's damning about Theresa May and her, her old entourage about how they inflicted that wound on themselves. But it's interesting. So it's not just non-voters, not just young voters. You're talking about, don't forget, you are talking about some Tory voters who actually, and pensioners. We talked about the youth vote, but pensioners had a clear message from Labour. You will keep everything you've got. Whereas from Theresa May, for some inexplicable reason, she couldn't even say which pensioners would lose out. It was crazy, wasn't it? It's it was absolutely, absolutely nuts. And no wonder they're going for it and going for the advisors. They're going for a big time because that's not just the advisors, that's the Prime Minister exactly. to blame. I, mean, I, I don't get a lot of this is like they're blaming the advisors as if the Prime Minister is just some kind of puppet. I know that's no. sort of. But she's the Prime Minister, right? The buck stops with her and she's got to look at it. She's a politician. She must look at the political. She's the Hillary of Clinton of Great Britain. She's extraordinary. She's such a bad campaigner with a sense of entitlement and I think that more than anything else is what the British public reacted against last night got that sense of hey I'm going to call an election just because I think I can win it yeah. people really didn't like that Steve Kersley has sent us a, a question on Facebook Live if it comes to another election in the next 12 months who will have the biggest appetite this would play right into Labour's hands let's start the first bit of that 
is there going to be another election in the next? Good question. Everyone keeps months. asking us that, don't they? Ned. I mean, Ned loves an election. I love, I love a good election. And if there is, will you I stay mean, up until that election? You've not been to bed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will good. myself. But um, I, I don't know. Everything I've said has always been wrong, hasn't it? Really? It's <laughs> good, right? So, hey, so I'm uh, going to say no. But you don't think there will be? I don't. But I mean, God Ned's knows. like the, the octopus, you know, picking the World Cup winner or whatever. <laughs> yeah. You know, you just do the opposite of what he says. Yeah, and it will yeah, come true. That's, that's I true. think that can apply to everyone of us in this room. Um, <laughs> but bodes well for my career. Yeah. <laughs> Kate, what do you think? Is it? Is it? I mean. She's got the majority of the DUP, but I mean, it's not going to be a formal coalition. So if they, if they don't start, I mean, if you look at the DUP's manifest, manifesto, if he doesn't like, get rid of the TV license in 12 months, which is what they want, are they going to say, right, that's it? I mean, no. yeah. I mean, there's, there, there is basically, it's so uncertain now. And obviously, another election throws a huge amount more uncertainty into the picture. Does that even make sense? I, yeah. and, and I just, I can't see them. It would be mad to go for it, but also we might be in a position where she's got no choice. The Tories won't want an election, obviously, <laughs> ever again, unless they think they can win it. But how can they ever be sure they can win an election again? If they start off with a 22-point lead and they think, oh, well, that's great, let's go for an election. Just imagine another opinion poll has a, another big Tory so lead. Let's put it another will way they ever believe it again? If there is another election, if there, is a, there will be one day, if there's an election in the next 12 to 18 months, will Theresa May be Tory leader? No, no way. So do you no think way. that would be the catalyst? No if they feel they have to get rid of her. A lot of Tory MPs obviously would love Boris to have a crack at the big yeah. job. They think he's got. They showed it in, the, the, in the referendum yeah. campaign. They showed he's got a real, he's got a real zing amongst voters, working class voters. And don't forget, you know, you, you said this isn't a Brexit election, but there is a chunk of Brexit effect in this, which is Labour piling up a lot of middle class votes, Remainer votes, a lot of Tories pissed off Tory Remainers in some of those Tory seats, saying actually I don't want a hard Brexit. I'll go with Labour party and uh, piling up lots of votes in metropolitan areas but the Tories taking some working class Labour votes there's no question that took place in in leave seats last night that's why they're still ahead um, so you know given all of that then of course it's going to be difficult calling it a general election but that's why Boris might be the the sort of wonder drug the Viagra that the Tory party really needs all right there's oh. an image too far Paul has had not a lot of sleep she's talking about Viagra so just this all just calm me down he sounds like Owen Smith here um Let's go on to the smaller parties who, who are though. getting smaller all the time. SNP. Oh, backfired, didn't it? Angus Robertson. Why do you sound so gleeful? Alex Salmon. What do you not gone? like about oh, Scott Nats? Oh, I mean, oh don't on. start. I don't want the abuse. I get nothing to call Pile on. Owen Jones 84. That's my Twitter <laughs> handle. Um, the SNP. I mean, that, does this put pay to the call for a second independence referendum? Well, it's interesting. If you listen to Nicholas Sturgeon's speech again an hour ago, she did seem to hint that she was rethinking that. She didn't did say she? that, but the tone of her speech, speaking for all of Scotland, she did say, you know, I take account of this result. Now, it's the opposite of Theresa May, yeah, yeah, yeah. he just it carried was, on regardless. That's a good point. That's it was complete, complete opposite of what Theresa May just did. She was talked about the result, was very kind of, oh, you know, this hasn't been great for us. So, don't you can't, not sure exactly what she said, but she said, you know, I'll have more to say on this in the next few She's days. She's probably feeling quite raw. Don't forget, she said in the middle of the night, my mentor, Alex Salmond, he's my mentor. You know, he's, he's he guided her through politics. And he's lost his seat. You know, Angus Robertson, who's a very, very effective performer in the House of Commons. We should all remember so this little yeah, thing. They yeah. used my tweet of him saying it's effective in their manifesto. Oh, so I oh feel like I lost it. Um, but, you know, that's another point we can do as an aside at some point. You know, everyone, including us, was saying how effective it, Robertson was in the House of Commons chamber, more effective than Corbyn week in, week out. And did it make a difference with the voters? Did it make a blind bit of difference did with it the voters? Did because, it Because, let's not forget, I said... 
um, that Theresa May was like Hillary Clinton. The only difference is, obviously, she's won an election. Well, not quite won it, but she stayed in power. But Corbyn was, no question, a combination of Bernie Sanders and Trump. He, ha- he got that Trump-like ability to motivate people about globalisation and cuts and the, f- the pain they were feeling. Now, that's a hell of a political achievement for someone on the left. It was a, it was a sun, it was a very much a sunshine versus clouds kind and of a referendum, hope, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, it was, he offered uh, hope. Election, sorry. Um, Kate, what do you think about um, in Scotland? It seems that actually Ruth Davidson in Scotland has actually saved... Theresa May in Westminster, yep. right? Because they've yep. gone up from having one seat to having, what, 17 seats now, I think it is? Yeah. So, yeah, Ruth Davidson is a proper winner, isn't she, out of this? And also she's got a great dog, which means <coughs> that she is a winner in, in every regard. Um, <laughs> Not a lot of sleep either, Kate? No, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> okay. Everyone likes dogs. That's nonsense. <laughs> but it is, isn't it's it ironic that the, 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 the Tories won the 2015 general election on the basis of a scare story that Labour would mm. end up being in hock to the Tories and the Celtic fringe. Theresa May is in hock to the Scottish Tory yep. party and the Celtic fringe. I don't know if you saw yep. Ruth Davidson on BBC News at some point in the morning. She was having a great time. Oh, she yeah, was the she only was Tory to sort of smile all morning and all evening. It wasn't, wasn't a little smile. It wasn't a kind of one that she's trying to hide it. Well, I shouldn't smile too much because we're a bit screwed. Beaming, laughing. She just judged it she was perfectly. An MP. Just yeah. imagine if she she'd gone. And, and also, Labour had a bit of a comeback in Scotland as well. Yeah. So it seems, yeah. to, you know, but let's talk about the Lib Dems as well. The Lib Dems have shot have up have from to? nine to 12. Is it 12 seats? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They've done all right. They've I done think. all right. I mean, all they, right. But, okay. Why would you call uh, that all right? Oh, 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 he just, oh, he just wants, oh, go on. Nick Clegg. I'm not yeah. going to say what you thought I was going to yeah. say. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Clegg is gone. I feel like we should have a minute silence. Yeah, I kind of felt like he, he probably wanted to, I don't know this, he probably wanted to go last time being better. He kind of, I feel like he, he just sort of got his um, desire his for the job back. back. Yeah. Just kind of keen to get involved yeah. again, to get stuck in. And then suddenly, two days later, three days later, he's kind of doing he it. I think he'll so be gutted, sad. won't he? Because yeah. actually he's the expert on Brexit. And he really what, is, yeah. What, and what a disaster it's and been. He did, and because you know, I interviewed him like literally two days ago and it was c- clear he really did does care about the Brexit issue and was keen to get kind of bit back involved in the Lib Dems kind of playing a role again and that's all when you interviewed short. him did you pick up anything about him worrying about his own seat yeah I mean he did the key said you know that I'm uh, I'm confident but not complacent that kind of classic line so it, it wasn't you could tell he was worried it wasn't he wasn't thinking he was going to walk it I think he's he is a loss to parliament if we're honest like he's a he's experienced as you say you know he had he was all over the Brexit stuff He's actually a former EU trade negotiator, and there's not many of them looking yeah, about Yeah, I mean, he's a former he, deputy prime minister. And like, he, And he said it himself, actually, in the interview with me. He, he wasn't kind of being kind of um, shy about it. He said, you know, I'm just going to say I'm a former EU trade negotiator. I was mm. deputy prime minister. I do know about this, and I care about it. Mm. Now, whether you agree with his position on the EU or not, in this kind of debate we're going to have, it, surely it's a bonus to have someone with that experience. Now, yeah. the Lib Dems were very upset with me this morning because in my war zone, I said that both UKIP and the Lib Dems now look like being a spent force in British politics got a very angry text from the Lib Dems saying how dare you say we're a spent force but I was making the point that because the big two party have squeezed the electoral system the Lib Dems do look like a spent force you know I don't know what percentage of votes they got did anyone know but 14 8%, 8% I mean come I on if you're in single figures and but and you've only got 12 MPs yeah, but it's up from 8 but it's up from 8 and actually it is the context in the context of this of, a ty- of being a tiny party got 10? they did Better than they had, and they at the start of the night they were kind of they were going to be happy to keep the eight yeah. or nine they had. So in the right direction. Uh, they, they didn't do great. They just still got. I tell you, you didn't do great. Paul disagrees with you on this one. What is he? UKIP. They had a shocker, right? <laughs> uh, that's yeah. one area where I do agree with you. I mean, that's terrible, isn't it? 
It's extraordinary. Paul, I mean, not all. You're the, you're the UKIP votes. expert. What are you going to do for your next book? I mean, I'm, no, I think we're standing for leadership at UKIP. You probably I've know more members of UKIP than anyone else. bother. Like, I just, like, they've only got, they've got 500,000 votes, which is about the same as the Greens. Yeah. One SNP, i.e. zero. Um, Nuttall's gone. There was a lot of... What sh- something that's interesting about UKIP, this election, was that the previous election, they were very like, we're going to go for the northern working class Labour voters have been taken for granted, right? So when Paul Nuttall got elected, I was like, oh, this is... He fit, fits the bill. They did not run a campaign on that at all. They ran a campaign on, we must keep the Tories honest on Brexit. Okay, fine. And then they and then this bizarre sort of like nobody must wear a burqa and yeah, we must check very sub BMP we must stuff, check wasn't it? like the girls' genitalia for signs of FGM and it was just there was nothing in there for the late barely talked about grammar schools nothing in there for the labour working class forgotten left behind voters it was a really bizarre election campaign. Can I ask? So Nigel Farage on TV again yeah. he said, you know, if Brexit like it's going to be sabotaged, I'll have to come back. Do you think that's a real possibility, or was he just saying? Just I love destroyed? how he's like, oh, I'll just ha- yeah, I'll yeah. have to. Do you think he actually think, would? Joey, he's, he's probably more likely to come back now that he's got like less councillors to worry about. The thing <laughs> that Farage always hated was the kind of mechanics of running a political party and one, wondering, you know, what did one one councillor in Hartlepool said this stupid thing, and one councillor in Devon said another one. If you haven't got any councillors and candidates anymore, you haven't got to worry about that. You can just go back to being a pressure group. So that actually might appeal to Farage yeah. a little bit. I don't think he's really got. He's going to have to take a pay cut if he does it. So I don't think he's you know money well, he's earning doing other stuff. They won't have any MEPs. Exactly in two yeah. years' time. So they really so are a spent for. Yeah, they're going to be like the sort of you know ratepayers party, aren't they? they the ratepayers probably have more independent councillors than UKIP at this rate. I think the the thing the, the thing the only thing that might save UKIP is if Brexit negotiations start looking like. We're having to pay lots of money to the EU. We're keeping freedom of movement. And if they can spin that we've been screwed on Brexit, look what happens if you don't vote for us, then they might get some support back. Which brings us neatly brings onto, onto Brexit. So how does this change Brexit negotiations? Because as Theresa May said, Brexit negotiations start 11 days after the general election. As Theresa May also said, if I lose six seats, Jeremy Corbyn will be prime minister. So she's gone back on that. I mean, if you're the That's EU, another U-turn. yeah, if you're the EU now looking at this, is this is this good for you? Is bad? What do we think is happening here? They're just sitting there shaking their heads, either laughing or complete confusion. I mean, with the DUP, the one thing they want is they don't want a hard border, so in, in Ireland, so that's going to have to have, surely have some impact on whatever from the, the British side of negotiations. I'm not sure what impact it has from the EU side of negotiations, other than thinking we're a complete disaster. DUP are really pro-Brexit though I yeah mean, absolutely let's not forget that so that they they have a sort of almost magical version of, of Brexit which were the almost the extreme Brexiteer version which is you can get anything you like you can have your cake and eat it and cherry on top and lots of icing we can have uh, you know a frictionless border with Ireland and yet somehow we can stop uh, we can be not members of the single market and the customs union not sure how the heck that's going to work um, so there's difficulty if I were the EU 27 though I mean you're rubbing your hands with glee this morning aren't you because they're in a much stronger position. They can now say, and Tusk has already said, um, Donald Tusk, the, the EU Council President, has said this morning, I think he tweeted it, that actually, look, if you want to shorten, if you want to delay the negotiations, that's fine, but the end point stays the same, 2019. So they're playing hardball, and I personally think you're going to see something we've talked about before, where the EU and the hard Brexiteers have a very similar story. There is no middle ground. There is no soft Brexit. You either come back with your tail between your legs and you come back and join the EU in a second referendum or you have a hard Brexit. Take it or leave it. Yeah. That'd be exciting, wouldn't it? Well, it might, might be. I you don't sound excited. No, well, you know, I've got, I've got this Brexit briefing to write on it. It's complicated. You've bought a Brexit now. 
I'm a little bit bored of Brexit. Yeah. I'm a little bit bored of Brexit. I, mean, I can't believe that. I wish I'd start doing that briefing. It's really, oh, it you never good. stop going on about this. Oh, I know, but it's... Uh, yeah. Everyone I think Kate should it. start her own briefing. Yeah, yeah. Kate yeah. do a briefing. We're better dogs. We Could do dogs. that. Anyway, Polish. I don't know if we're getting anywhere with this. Um, why are Kensington having a third recount just to guarantee Conservative a win, says John Boyle? No, they just because just they're close. desperate is the they're short answer. Yeah. They're, they're not going to do it. They've already told me they've written it off. There's no way, no coming back. It's just like the Lib Dems last night in Richmond Park. That we got <coughs> the intel that actually the Lib Dems were always behind. Um, and no matter how many recounts you have, it's going to come down, come down. But you, you know, it, it's a lost cause. It's very rare in a recount where they'll flip the result round. Very, just, very rare. Just Poor fine. Sarah Olney, though, as well. I know. I what, mean, seven all months. Seven months, a seven shit months. interview with Julie Hartley Brewer, and then she's gone. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's it. Seven months. You don't get that for GBH, do you? Yeah. Seven months. Oh, well, extraordinary. Someone else has tweeted a, a, oh, a question on. here. Pablo Byrne, who's actually rather smart on Twitter. How much did Labour's main manifesto pledges, rather than Corbyn's personal appeal, contribute to Labour's big uptick in support? What do we think? Was it the policies what won it, or Jezza what won it? Or I think both? it was. I think it was the policies were quite hopeful policies, weren't they? They were quite. We can do this. We can do that. We can make things better. Whereas the Theresa May's policies were. I think because it was the contrast. Yeah, contrast I think if the Tories had put together a competent manifesto, which had lots of holes in it, I think it kind of might negate it a little bit. But because their manifesto was such a contrast to Labour, it was quite a negative manifesto. There wasn't a lot of positivity in there. Well, I it think was totally uncosted. There was no there was yeah, lots I think of you're right. The, co- the combination of the two things. There was policies that people liked. The polls showed people liked the policies. And then up against this other manifesto, it, re- it enhanced it, didn't it? And then combined with Corbyn's kind of energy that he seemed to get from these campaigns. And people forget, you know. I mean, I, I was out with Corbyn and Watford the other day and, and been out with him and around, and you have guys have as well. Although he, he says, yeah, winning seats is, is not enough is not all we need to do. And he gets ridiculed really cool for saying, he said it the other day, you know, M- talking about MPs, is it's not all about MPs. People say, oh yeah, of course it's about MPs, it's about power. But the reason he did well is because he said it wasn't just about MPs, it was about a sense of hope. It was yeah. about a sense of mm-hmm. national mission, what you believe in, your values. And he tapped into this thing, this rare thing that politicians often under the the sort of technocratic era of the last few years have, have neglected, which is the emotional side of politics. Uh, what do you think, Kate? Yeah, I mean, completely. I mean, the final the final rally that I went to in, where was it, Islington, in the Union Chapel, like, the venue is amazing, you know, it was full of people, and the people I spoke to, there were, you know, your obvious kind of young people kind of galvanised by him, but I also spoke to this older couple who said that they'd always voted Labour, and they always would, and, like, it wasn't about Corbyn for them, but they were there because they just said, well, you know, look at this, this is great. It's amazing, and people are, are singing and dancing, and it's really it's difficult to be at one of those events and kind of not get swept up in that. And that is not something I've I've seen. But the criticism always was that there's this great famous John Golding quote, the hammer of the left in 1983, said to said to Michael Foote when he saw the polls were bad in 1983, he said, and, and Foote said, well, the polls might be bad, but how can they be bad? I've just done done a rally with a thousand people. And Golding said to him, there's a 1,000 people in your rally, but there are 122,000 people outside who think you're crackers. And that was the narrative we've had throughout this whole Corbyn campaign since he's became leader. Having lots of people at your rallies doesn't matter. It's people, you know, in the ballot box. And what's interesting about the results overnight is that people in the ballot box tended to share that enthusiasm. And that you've got to give him credit for that. Having said all of that, Labour are not in power. No. And they need to, as John Woodcock said overnight, you know, the arch-critic of Corbyn, We've proved that Labour is a broad church. 
uh, the fact that he's been re-elected, even despite all his local Corbynista members saying they didn't want him as candidate, um, he was re-elected, uh, and that's a signal for Labour how they come back. If they can somehow unite and say, yeah, we are a broad church, we've got left, we've got right, we've got people in between, that's we're going to broaden our appeal within the party and without it. That's the only way back. But if they're united and if they back him. Very, very quickly, and I mean that, Paul, uh, what are we going to be talking about? What, not at all. What are we, we going to be talking about on next week's podcast? What do you think is going to happen over the next six or seven days in politics? Is it going to be a, a crazy reshuffle from Theresa May? Is it going to be leadership bid? Ned, what are we going to be talking about next week? Well, I've put a couple of days off, so I don't know what we're going to talk about. <laughs> okay, <laughs> You've been really useful to this. I think uh, the reshuffle question will be really interesting because don't forget that. You know, the the main reason David Cameron had a very swift reshuffle in, in 2015 is because he'd lost all the Lib Dems. So he needed to do one. He needed to fill all those jobs that were empty. Theresa May doesn't need to do that. So she might take a bit of time. But boy, as I said earlier, I think she's bounced the party into her staying for five years. If that's been fired by Theresa May now. But this is, but this is the thing. <laughs> she, she's Sorry, you're just not up to your job. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Theresa. <laughs> she, Sorry about that. She's, <laughs> she's lost. She's trying to bounce the party into saying, look, you know, sack me or, or else. Um, or it, it's, it could be even worse. But the party, the 1922 committee, will have her on basically a choke chain. I mean, they've basically now for the f- next few years, she's not going to be in charge. They're going to be in charge. And I think that's that's going to be a problem for any kind of reshuffle. She's going to have to widen the cabinet. She's going to have to bring in people, certainly widen her, her circle of advisers. They have problems. One MP texted me today saying they should both be castrated, Nick Hill, Nick, um, Nick Timothy and, and Fiona Hill. Now, I'm not sure how you castrate a lady, but there you go. Let's um, not. Let's leave that. I think let's <laughs> leave that handle hanging. <laughs> Kate, what do you think yes. we're going to talk about this time this week? Um, surely we're going to be talking about Labour reshuffle as well. That's going to be really, really, really interesting. Good point. Like, Absolutely. who's coming in? Uh, Will he want anyone in? So that's exactly. that's uh, this week's podcast. We're obviously all a bit tired and it's mad, isn't it? I'm going to leave you with uh, a message that I got from my dad before we went uh, to record this. And he just said, what a fantastic election. Everybody lost. That's true British democracy for you. Absolutely that true. Quite well. Well this done, is Commons much. People and uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.